1: And Welcome. I'm so glad you're here today because this is a topic I have been dying to dig into. Today, we have got with us a peri dental practitioner. He practiced in his private practice for 44 years. He's a certified functional medicine practitioner. He's certified and primal health coach. He's an ADAPT, and boy, he's going to have to explain that one to me, trained health professional the author of Crazy Good Living. He's a speaker and also a creator of content of periodontal teachings in the College of Integrative Medicine. That's pretty cool. He's going to be talking to us about our gum health, our mouth health, our gut health, how that all intertwines with each other. You know, I didn't put the two together before researching with him. And he's going to be talking about how our lifestyle choices, how we live our lives, affects our overall health. He has got a powerful story and I'm going to let him share that because it's truly going to be impactful and you're going to want to stay to the very end and hear that. And we're going to bust some myths in the dental world. We're going to kind of go one by one through these as much as we can and really put some light onto some of the things that we're doing to ourselves when we think that we're doing good. So today, I want to just bring on the show Dr. Danenberg. He likes to be called Dr. Al by his friends.
2: He is. I am here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure.
1: Well, we are so excited to have you on and excited to have you here, right?
2: <laughs> yes, we can talk about that too.
1: You bet. And we're going to get that at towards the end, but you know, your years of work, you you really took dentistry into a different light because as I was researching, I've never, I'm, I'm 54 years old and I have never been to a dentist that has talked to me about my gut health. But in researching, you really did take into what you were eating, what your gut health was like into the health of your mouth.
2: Yes, I'm 72 years old, <laughs> a little older than you.
1: Just a smidge.
2: Just a, just a pinch. But my, I must tell you, when I go to my physicians or dentists that are colleagues or other dentists that I you know, come in contact with for a variety of reasons, very few, if any, understand the gut as it relates to gum disease or even suggests that there is another factor involved with gum disease. So the interesting thing is the science is there but you have to poke at it and stimulate the dots of the medical knowledge to figure out what's going on. There's very little written that puts all this knowledge together and creates a path from the gut to the mouth, to the rest of the body. And that's the path that really is the cause of all of our chronic disease today. And let me just introduce one other concept. Sure. 60% of the US adults today in the United States, US, United States have a form of chronic disease. 70% of all deaths are related to that chronic disease or a series of chronic diseases. And it's not chronic disease that all of a sudden comes on and then you die. Mm-hmm. It starts over a series of decades and your body just deteriorates and your quality of life goes downhill for years before you succumb to this disaster. And it emanates amazingly in the gut.
1: And I would even challenge you to say, I believe that 60% number is much higher.
2: Well, I do too. And that was from the Centers for Disease Control, which doesn't even include periodontal disease and tooth decay, which is a significant chronic disease. So, And if you're new
1: listening to the show, chronic disease is something that you have that lasts longer than four months. Correct. So,
2: And has many other initiators, not just one. They can't just cure one little thing and the chronic disease goes away. Yep. Lots of different elements go into the development of a chronic disease.
1: You're speaking our language. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So let's talk about... What kind of things we're associating the mouth and the mouth health with our gut? You know, gut being the primary. We're starting here, and that's whole body, not just our mouth health, but our overall health. But what myths are out there? I mean, what kinds of things might be happening to a person that you need to be looking at your mouth health? You know, what is the health of your gums? Because if your gums are not in good healthy, you've got tooth decay, you've got you know gum disease, you have other things, cavities. I don't know what else to even say going on in your mouth, that that might be an indicator. You know, I was just, and I asked this question because I see a holistic dentist and he was talking about a new system they have widening the jaw and that that is an indicator of not just snoring, but so many other diseases that we have. So I think they're interconnected and I'd love to hear what you have to say about that.
2: Absolutely. So widening the jaw, mainly the upper jaw so that the bottom teeth accommodate better, has a lot to do with airway space and airway obstruction. If you don't have good breathing because of an airway obstruction, because the jaw is too tightly compacted for a variety of reasons, A lot of times it's improper orthodontics early in life where teeth are extracted and the jaw is decreased in size rather than increased in size. It creates obstruction in the breathing and airway spaces, creates a problem with oxygenation and can definitely affect the gut and the microbiome. It is a huge area of interest today that was probably unheard of five or more years ago before. So science is great. It's showing us a lot of paths. The problem with science is it proves certain things that were not known in the past, but it also disproves a lot of things that were taken as gospel in the past (laughs) that are not absolutely true. And sadly enough, what is now being made to be believed as true 10 years from now may be disproven by new science. So we have to be aware that science is great, but it has a fault. Yes. And we are always learning. Six years ago, I changed my life and got into a primal lifestyle, a primal diet, putting nutrition into my practice and really helping patients understand the gum disease is not caused by improper brushing. The gum disease is not caused by a lack of fluoride in the mouth. The gum disease, we just didn't get... We weren't born with the potential to have gum disease. Right. But what is going on with gum disease is a direct relation to what has happened in our gut. And our gut tells the body, you're going to be healthy or not be healthy. Hippocrates, 2,000 years ago, had the idea that the center of disease is really in the gut. And then the ideas kind of dwindled, and now new research is being shown that the gut And it's garden of healthy bacteria called the microbiome are critically involved with periodontal disease and tooth decay, but that's just part of the manifestation of the diseases that occur throughout the body. Gum disease and tooth decay are chronic diseases, as well as cardiovascular disease, multiple sclerosis, cancer. All of these things are related to a healthy gut. Or an unhealthy gut.
1: So if I'm hearing you correctly, then what you're saying is the gum disease, periodontal disease or tooth decay is the secondary symptom of our gut being out of order.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you think about the spokes of a wheel, for example, Mm -hmm. and the center, that center is the gut and the spokes go out throughout the body. And one of those spokes leads to the mouth. Right. And the beautiful thing about mouth and the potential like gum disease or tooth decay is that at least an astute dentist can look in the mouth. I, I'm not going to tell you every dentist is as astute as they should be. But an astute dentist can look in the mouth and see changes in the mouth which are part of this continuum of the progression of chronic disease. So you can't look in the gut so well, you know, stool testing and everything has positives and negatives to it, but you can look in the mouth and see inflammation, bleeding, tooth decay. And that should be an alert to the dentist, not that the patient isn't cleaning their mouth well, That may be a factor, but there's something else that started the problem to make the bacteria in the mouth unhealthy. And that's the unhealthy gut bacteria. And I must tell you that the mouth is loaded with bacteria, maybe 700 different species of bacteria. That's a few, more than two or three. And that bacteria is in a state of balance. It's called homeostasis. If you looked at any one individual bacterium in that cluster of bacteria, Someone could say this is extremely pathogenic. Well, it's not when it's in its balanced state. But if it were to become overgrown and overpowerful because of damage in the gut and then being fed bad food stuffs that we'll talk about, Mm -hmm. then this basically balanced bacterium becomes overgrown, it becomes pathologic, and it creates disease. So your mouth has lots of wonderful, healthy bacteria. The dental plaque, if you want to talk about a myth, the dental plaque around your teeth is healthy. It's one of the healthy biofilms in the body. Some biofilms are not healthy. Biofilms that surround cancer cells are not healthy. But the biofilm that surrounds the root of the tooth, when it's healthy, does three basic things. The bacterial plaque, because of its accumulation of lots of friendly bacteria in balance, produce an amount of hydrogen peroxide that kills off other pathological bacteria that want to get in. Okay. It also acts like a gatekeeper. It allows the minerals in the saliva that need to get into the root surface to remineralize the tooth, it allows those minerals to go in and remineralize the tooth. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The saliva flows all the time. It's more during the day than in the evening. And that saliva is loaded with biologically active minerals. Because of the flow of that saliva, the dental plaque allows these minerals to pass through as needed into the surface of the tooth. And they do one other big thing, and that is it maintains an acid level that is healthy around the tooth. Any acid level that's below 5.5, that means more acidic, like 4.4 is more acidic than 5.5. Anything below 5.5 will demineralize the tooth and cause tooth decay. Anything above 5.5 does not cause tooth decay. And the healthy dental plaque helps to stabilize that acid level in the mouth. So you don't want to strip that dental plaque off.
1: So like when I'm being told, for instance, I mean, I can only talk about what happens to me. You know, they want you coming in. Like, for instance, I build up plaque behind my back teeth. I mean, like almost immediately upon after having my teeth cleaned, which is what they do. They use lasers. They use whatever they use, you know, to take it all off. And what you're saying is we shouldn't be stripping that off.
2: Okay, so how many fights do I need to, to deal with with the dental community? But I'm not going, let, let me, let <laughs> no me say calls. something. No phone no, calls, no nasty. I'll, I'll get phone calls, I know, I will. <laughs> so let me, let me make a comment. Okay. There have been some wonderful studies published. I think there was a, a story on NPR about this maybe two years ago. So there was some research that was done Looking at human skulls, Mm -hmm. especially the upper and lower jaw, dating from 10,000 to 20,000 years ago. Okay. That's a a long time ago. But that is before the era of modern agriculture. Okay. Modern farming. Right. And these skulls showed that there were no significant areas of decay on the teeth, Mm It showed that there were no significant areas of damage in the jawbone around the teeth. And it also showed huge clumps of dental plaque that were calcified, now called tartar or calculus. Mm -hmm. So if dental plaque was so detrimental to the jawbone and the teeth, and it was loaded Mm -hmm. on these dental remnants of the jaw or these... Skeletal remnants of the jaw, then there should have been a lot of bone damage called periodontitis mm-hmm. or a lot of tooth decay, but there wasn't. See, and that's
1: the I can go down this rabbit hole all day long with you because you know, this is going to lead us into okay, let's start talking about toothpaste and mouthwash. You know, let's, okay. you know, let's we're talking that. about the cleaning of the teeth. So And I do have to put a, a, you know, whether I want to call it a disclaimer or whatever is, you know, here's the thing. You get to take the information and you get to decide what works for you. And you get to, you know, so listeners, you got to figure this out for yourself. And one of the questions I want to ask at the end is of you is what should we be asking of our dentist to know that we're with a good dentist that's going to work with us and what our needs, you know, are. Because I'm of the opinion that there's never a one-size-fits-all answer for everybody. you got to kind of individualize it. But I've often thought, if my mouth is building this up so quickly, there must be a reason for it. There must be, you know, and a good reason, right? Not necessarily that this is bad.
2: (laughs) Well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, why the dental plaque, which is healthy, becomes unhealthy. Okay. And then because of that, we may need to do more to clean our mouth because we have an unhealthy mouth. Statistically, there was a study done maybe 8 to 10 years ago that showed that almost 93% of the U.S. adult population have some form of gum inflammation called gingivitis. 92 to 94%. That is epidemic, inflammation. It should not be there. Let's talk about inflammation. And that could be bleeding. Let's say a woman's looking in a mirror and she's putting on her makeup Mm -hmm. or a guy is looking in a mirror and he's shaving. And all of a sudden you see a drop of blood come out of your ear. Would you be alarmed? (laughs) Most people would be. (laughs) Yes, they would. But if they brush their teeth or floss their teeth and see a little pink, they're not alarmed because their dentist and hygienist says, oh, there's a little bit of bleeding, but that's not a big deal. Right. It's just a little bit. Right. The gum tissue should never, ever, ever bleed unless you cut it, just like your ear shouldn't have a drop of blood coming out unless you stab your eardrum, right. or your nose shouldn't automatically drip blood. You don't see blood coming out where your cuticle is around your nail if you use a nail scrub brush, unless there's inflammation and an infection in that area. So So that doesn't have
1: anything to do with brushing too hard. That has to do with you've got some inflammation going on.
2: Yes. Now, it's hard to brush too hard and cause abnormal bleeding. I mean, you could do it with a hard toothbrush. Right. But most people could take dental floss and use it incorrectly and saw between the teeth and literally cut the gum like you could cut a hard piece of cheese with a wire. Right. So yeah, you got to be very careful. And right. I don't like flossing at the gum line anyhow. There are ways to clean your mouth and flossing under the gum is not healthy at all. Okay. But because you'll cut the gum and create clefts and create more infection right. or stimulate infection. But the gums never, ever, ever should bleed just like any other part of your body should never, ever bleed when the skin is intact. Right. And the gum skin should be intact and tight around the tube. So when that happens, there's something going on. Right. And a lot of people, like I said, 92, 94% have some inflammation. So something's wrong because it should never be that way. When this disease called gingivitis can progress. Not everybody gets from stage one gingivitis to the next stage I'm going to mention, but when it does happen, it goes into a form of more advanced gum disease called periodontitis. What that means is the infection that is in the gum has changed its complexity, and it's changed the type of pathological bacteria and is now entering into the jawbone and when it enters the jawbone it causes the bone to decay or melt away and that eventually loosens the tooth and here's the biggest problem that infection can pour into the bloodstream or it can seep into lymph tissues or it can travel the sheath of nerves around your body and the interesting thing is that leakage from the gum tissue is similar to the leakage of bacterial and other toxic material from the gut into the bloodstream called a leaky gut. So you have a leaky gut and now a leaky periodontal pocket. And what came first? The leaky gut Mm -hmm. actually changed your immune system, changed your host resistance. It caused the bacteria that was friendly in the mouth to become unfriendly, Overgrow pathological bacteria and then poor food choices in not only interfered with the gut bacteria, in addition, it now fed the bad bacteria. It's a vicious cycle that we're dealing with, and it's not just food. No, so there are all kinds of toxic substances that can get into your skin and into your airway and into your gut. And then all these toxic elements can affect the friendly bacteria in your gut in addition to bad food. Yep. So dirty electromagnetic fields do it. Many prescription drugs do it. Mm -hmm. Chemicals for your hair do it. (laughs) There are so many toxic elements and our body is very, very efficient in removing toxic elements. But there is a toxic load when anything above that becomes very detrimental. It's almost like filling the sink with water. Mm-hmm. So you put the faucet is pouring water and the drain hole in the in the sink is letting the water flow out and everything is fine. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, let's say you close off that drain hole in the sink and the water starts to overflow the sink. Right. So it's just like the body detoxifying. Mm-hmm. The body knows how to detoxify. You don't have to do anything to make your body detoxify other than have healthy food to make the processes work. But if something gets clogged up or there's too many things pouring into the sink, the water is flowing too fast and the hole in the sink can't accommodate the outflow, then it pours over the sink. And that's when the body starts to become very diseased. That's when the leaky gut starts to happen. The body doesn't repair itself well and it spreads. It doesn't happen in one day or one month or a year. It can take decades. And very few people can identify the chronic disease to the original cause decades ago.
1: Well, and so many people don't realize, and I teach about this all the time, of the symptoms that we need to be watching for. And some of the things are early, early, and it's still not even early on. But some of the things that happen to our bodies are things like we have a change in skin. For instance, like it might be more dry or more oily. Guess what? That is a symptom of toxic overload in the body. Body odor changing. If you have a noticeable body odor change, mouth, you know, that's a symptom of you. We've got toxic overload and it's, I say our earlier symptom because some things that we notice, especially when it comes to the gut, when we're noticing things like bloating and gas and, you know, change in, in bowel movements. And so many people, and I'm, I'm going to shut up in just one moment, so many people don't understand that they say, oh, I'm regular, I poop once a day. And it's like, that's not regular. That's not regular. You know, regular is every time you eat, you should have a bowel movement. So, and it's understanding what those symptoms are and what we can be watching for happening within our bodies to indicate that, you know, we're tipping the scales or we've, you know, crashed the scale.
2: You're absolutely correct. And the gut, interestingly, 80% of the damage that goes from the gut into our blood system doesn't even cause symptoms in the gut. So most people will say, oh, I don't have bloating, I don't have diarrhea, I don't have constipation, I don't have pain in my gut. So I do have a healthy gut, and that's not true 80% of the time. Exactly. So that's part of the problem, and you are absolutely correct. When you have an unhealthy gut, for whatever reasons, Mm -hmm. and it's changing your immune system, it creates all the visual signs, like you said, rashes on the skin, dry skin, Mm -hmm. oily skin, odor from the armpits that is excessive, odor in the mouth, Mm -hmm. all of these things, problems with the scalp, all of these things are directly affected by the gut and its unhealthy balance of bacteria. So what is being done is treating the manifestation of the disease and not the cause of the disease. So people put creams on their body and deodorants under their arms, and they use mouthwash to kill not only some bad bacteria, but all the good bacteria, which is a terrible thing to do. Right. And we're only trying to mask the symptoms. It's like taking an aspirin because you have a stomach ache, but that's not solving the problem. No. So you need to understand the gut.
1: Yep. We're putting a Band-Aid on it and we're not removing our hand from the flame.
2: Perfect example. You're right.
1: Okay, so I want to run down really quickly because I don't want to run out of time here with us because you've got a story we haven't even dug into yet. And I want to make sure we get into it because it's, for my audience especially, they're going to really enjoy I hate to say that, you know, in that way, but they need to That's
2: okay. I get much more phone calls and notes because of what we're going to talk about then, all the other stuff we've already talked about.
1: Yep. I think, you know, mouth health and coming from, you know, your level of expertise, I think it's important. Let's, let's crush some myths here real quick. All right. We'll yes. call it kind of a firing range here, but, you know, teeth whitening, good or bad?
2: Well, First of all, it's all cosmetic, so it doesn't have anything to do with the health of the mouth. Teeth whitening could be okay if you'd like to get whiter teeth, and there are natural ways to do it. And I have some articles that talk about that. We can give you some links about it. Basically, you can put a little bit of baking soda and some filtered water and make a paste of it, brush only the enamel of the tooth, and you can lighten the color. Tooth whitening in the dental office is not a bad thing, but you're using some chemicals that could Mm -hmm. damage the teeth, but they can harden naturally. A real problem is using whiteners in trays overnight for extended period of time. Okay. Because those whiteners use peroxide that gets into your gut and creates oxidative stress that can cause lots of other problems over time.
1: Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Good to know. And Dr. Al referred to articles. We're going to give a link on the show notes, but he's got a website with tons of great articles, blog posts. So anything we talk about today, a lot of it, you can refer back there and we'll go into that at the end of the conversation here. Toothpaste interesting what your ideas are on toothpaste.
2: Well, you don't need toothpaste. There's no reason to use toothpaste. It foams, it has lots of chemicals, and you're swallowing it constantly. Toothpaste is not necessary. And all the companies that promote toothpaste, and they've got this and that and other stuff, for example, bentonite clay, activated charcoal, minerals, the clays and the charcoals are binders so it can bind to natural minerals in your mouth and it pulls them out of your body. That's not a good thing on a regular basis. The minerals that they add to toothpaste, they're not going to remineralize your tooth. It's only there for seconds. The minerals that will remineralize your tooth are coming from the foods that you eat that get biologically stored in the salivary glands. that's an easy one to say. And then when you produce saliva 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's bathing your teeth, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast. So that's where the mineralization comes. You don't eat healthy food, you're not going to have the healthy
1: minerals. Awesome. So good to know. And I know this because, well, I switched to a natural toothpaste that didn't have the fluoride and it didn't have the sodium lauryl sulfate, you know, and some other things. And I stopped getting canker sores. So that's true. You know, but now, I'm going to know. Just water is fine. Unnecessary purchase.
2: Yeah, water is (laughs) fine.
1: We talked a little bit about mouthwash already, so I'm going to kind of skip over that one because we know not only is it killing the, the bad bacteria, it's killing the good bacteria. and certainly not something that we want to do. Our bodies, if given the right environment, are going to naturally balance that out itself, correct?
2: Absolutely correct.
1: Okay. Mercury fillings.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. I think we need
1: to do a separate show on heavy metals in the mouth.
2: Yeah, mercury fillings are to me, a toxic keg that is going to explode. Um, Mercury just gets released from the teeth constantly. There is all kinds of research that says it's not harmful, but there's other research that says it absolutely is harmful. And in my way of thinking, why put a neurotoxin that it could be deadly into your mouth that can be released 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Maybe the individual release in a segment of a few seconds is not significant, but we're talking about something that can be released 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. Yep. It accumulates. Yep. It is a neurotoxin. It is damaging to the DNA. It is cancer producing. It is a horrible toxic element. That's why mercury is banned in many European countries in dental procedures. For some reason, the Food and Drug Administration, although it's just looking into it now, but the Food and Drug Administration on a yearly basis practically says there is no science that shows existing fillings in the mouth will cause any chronic disease. I dispute that.
1: I do too. And I say, follow the dollars there. Uh, yes. You know, follow the dollars. Okay, root canals.
2: That's another interesting area because it's almost impossible to completely clean out the infection in an infection or an infected or necrotic tooth. If we want to delve into this a little bit more, let's say a tooth cracks for some reason. There's not an infection, but the tooth has cracked. It has damaged the nerve and you want to try to save the tooth. Well, depending on the crack, if it's not the lengthwise from the tooth to the root, but more horizontal, it is possible to do a root canal because the root, the nerve is not so infected and get a relatively good result and save the tooth. That's not a guarantee, but it's a good indication of a good root canal being done to save the tooth. Okay. But when the tooth is infected, the nerve is infected, the nerve is dead chemicals, toxic chemicals are pouring out from the base of the root into the bone because it now is an abscessed tooth. Mm -hmm. A root canal ideally removes all that, but from a histological point of view, it is almost impossible to do that. And it could be a source of chronic spread of infection that can pierce the vessels around the bone, getting into the bloodstream and the lymph system, as well as passing through the sheaths of nerves that travel through the rest of the body and create serious problems a couple months later, a couple years later, decades later. And even if the tooth is extracted and there's infection, it has to be cleaned out properly or that infection can stay in the jawbone as it heals and that creates another problem.
1: A whole other issue. All right. Fluoride.
2: Well, fluoride is a Band-Aid to protect. It's like a protective layer. Mm-hmm. It's like taking a and painting it on a, a steel pipe. And it's not going to look like it's rusting, but it's rusting from the inside out. So the interesting thing is tooth decay is a result of the acids in the mouth pr- being produced by the bacteria or acids that are in the mouth, like too much acidic soda, for example. Mm -hmm. and it's going to cause tooth decay. The reason why these acids are being produced by bacteria are number one, the bacteria have become pathologic. And number two, the foods like sugars are feeding the bacteria. If you remove added sugars from your diet, you will remove the source of the foodstuffs that are causing the bacteria to create the acid. So if you understood good nutrition, you wouldn't have tooth decay. And that's why Hardly ever you saw tooth decay in these ancient skulls because they weren't eating processed sugars because they didn't have processed sugar. Now we put sugar everywhere. Oh, gosh. If you look at any processed food, you'll see sugars in. Yeah, And it's not like you're going to eat the strawberry. You have to put the powdered sugar on top of the strawberry. Well, the strawberry is not the big problem. It's the powdered sugar that you put on it or the sugar that you put in your coffee or the sugar that you bake with or the sugar that you have to sweeten this, that, or whatever it with. It's not necessary. It's an acquired taste for the added sugars. Right. Remove the added sugars, you won't have tooth decay.
1: Exactly. Ugh that's, you know, again, another, and then x-rays, you know, now this is where we're,
2: Ah, this is going to lead into something else. It
1: it sure is. Yeah.
2: So here we go. So x-rays are critical to diagnose what cannot be seen. I get that. Everybody needs x-rays to look at things that cannot be visible with the clinical eye of a medical doctor or a dentist. Absolutely. The problem is using x-rays on a regular basis for too frequent of a time over a period of time because it accumulates, doesn't go away, and it's the low-dose radiation that becomes a problem. It's just that you need some dental x-rays to see what's going on, but do you need them every six months? You basically have a healthy mouth and you're doing well. Do you need an x-ray every six months? I don't think so. But if the dentist says there's something going on, or you're not taking care of your body well, and the teeth are kind of decaying, they need to see the x-ray because they need to see where the disease is going. They can't visually see it.
1: Well, let me ask you a question because I got to think my listeners are going to run into the same issue that I do in that, and we're going to keep going with this whole point of the story, is your dentist won't see you. If you don't allow them to take x-rays, they're done. They will not
2: see you. Well, there are some problems here. Once you have a relationship with a dentist, it's a doctor-patient relationship, and that doctor is responsible to evaluate and diagnose your health or disease. Okay. If he has blinders on, he cannot say you're healthy or diseased. And so x-rays are really necessary initially. Right. Because he has to take a look. If you have a car that's making a lot of noise and you go to a car dealership or a repair shop and you say, I need you to fix this, but you cannot open the hood <laughs> of my car. I mean, you're asking for a miracle. He can't guess what's wrong until he can see it and do some diagnostic tests. Absolutely. So in that sense, x-rays are important. But to take x-rays all the time when your mouth is basically healthy and has stayed that healthy or your body shows signs of being healthy may not be necessary. You just need to be aware because x-rays can cause issues over a period of time.
1: Right. So what uh, you wrote some very interesting articles about what they're finding happening with dentists who are, you know, and this is interesting.
2: Yeah. So a few years ago, there was a paper that I had to search for, but I found that study, not in this country, but studied the population of dentists my age, Mm -hmm. which let's say, I think the cohort was somewhere between 60 to 75 years old compared to the average male population of that age. And those dentists who are 60 to 75 years old, my cohorts, I'm 72, had a higher risk of cancers, one of which is multiple myeloma. Well, you started the broadcast, the podcast saying, you're dying to have this conversation. Well, literally, I am dying to have this conversation with you because I am. hmm Yeah
1: hmm And I think...
2: So what, what, let me just tell you, the audience, what that means. I have been diagnosed with an incurable bone marrow cancer in September of 2018. Mm-hmm. That is a very aggressive form of multiple myeloma. I was supposed to die based on my oncologist by the end of 2018. Right. But guess what? I'm still alive. And I'm doing extremely well. And I've gone into a unconventional cancer protocols that I've kind of integrated from my research. I've never done chemotherapy. I never will do chemotherapy. And I do a variety of protocols that we can discuss at other times that have done extremely well for me. But I am literally dying right now because of this incurable cancer. Right. And I think I know why I have it. Okay. So,
1: for time purposes, what I would like to do if you're okay with this is I would absolutely like you to come back on. Oh, sure. And we're going to do a whole second episode. You know, conversation always goes and I love our conversations and I think we've gotten some great information out. And I would love for you to come on separately and talk about your protocol specifically because I want to give people options. That it, You don't have to dive directly into chemotherapy. There are options if you're willing to make those choices, you know, within your life. And I love where you went with it. But right now to finish up the episode, let's talk about your research very quickly into why you got diagnosed with, tell me again.
2: My diagnosis is IGA kappa light chain multiple myeloma, which is an aggressive form of a bone marrow cancer. And I have Severe lytic lesions throughout my skeleton, meaning that I have very fragile bones, like a very diseased osteoporotic type of problem, like osteoporosis. And so I've had multiple fractures, Mm. pathological fractures. I've had a couple compression fractures of vertebra, pelvis fracture, rib fractures. My right femur was broken in half. My right humerus is broken in half. My left femur had another crack. It's a disaster. But I am surviving and I'm doing amazingly well. Cancer is a disease of mitochondrial dysfunction and metabolism. It's not the genetic issues that most people think. Yes, genetics has something to do with it. But it has tremendous amounts to do with our diet, our toxic load, and the way we allow our body to metabolize the nutrients that are necessary. And that's where my protocols are trying to help me heal.
1: Yeah. Well, and the the American Cancer Society states In some of their research, that only five to ten percent of all cancer cases are genetic. So, 90 to 95, depending on how you want to look at things, are absolutely lifestyle related. And that is, you know, that is how we are eating, that is how we are moving, and that is what toxic environment we are exposed to. So, your research took you down the road and you found the x rays were a huge factor along with some other things, but that was probably a big play. And that kind of ties into the other study you were talking about that they did outside of the US.
2: Yeah, so let me just tell you about the x-rays because when I was in dental school and that was back in the early 70s, (laughs) so it's a long time ago. In the clinic that I was in, I had four years of dental school, two years of graduate school right after to become a periodontist. So six continuous years x-ray machines were in the clinics. Every four students had one x-ray machine. So when we walked through the clinics and we had 120 kids, I think, in the freshman class and all the other classes. So there's lots of x-ray machines going on and going off. I had no idea if I was walking by an x-ray machine that was being used or not, unless I was really looking at the light that was going on. You don't hear it. You don't smell it. You don't see it. You know, x-rays are invisible. Mm -hmm. So these are This is constant low-dose ionizing radiation. Actually, this cause of low-dose ionizing radiation causes plasma cells to become malignant. And my disease, which is a malignant plasma cell disease, multiple myeloma is a disease of plasma cells that have become malignant. It only took one plasma cell, and I'm thinking 40-some years ago, I had one plasma cell that was affected by this constant low dose radiation became malignant, which meant the cell became malignant. We have malignant cells all the time in our body, but Mm -hmm. they self-destroy. This cell became malignant, was resistant to the self-destruction for whatever reasons, and it continued to produce and reproduce. And that's how I think my disease progressed. The other thing is, when we were placing fillings, mercury fillings, which we were always taught to do, mm-hmm. and by the way, dental schools still teach it today, sadly enough, we played with free mercury in our hands, like kids play with Play-Doh. We threw it on the floor and we see the little silvery beads run off the floor. The dental schools were the most toxic environments that you can imagine because all this mercury was vaporized in the environment. Mm. Who knew then how dangerous it was? But I think the toxicity of the low-dose radiation that my body was exposed to. And the mercury that I played with, it was absorbed through my skin and through, because it was vaporized through my airway, affected my toxic load. And I got cancer. Yep. But I didn't know that until 40 years later. Right. And here I am dealing with toxicity issues and the overload that I've accumulated for decades.
1: Absolutely. And if you know, you're agreeable to it, we just need to come on and do a whole nother story oh, sure. on, you know. Sure what it was like, you know, receiving the diagnosis and then, you know, what steps you guys, you know, took to go. Well, it was
2: a game changer, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know,
1: and that's the thing, you know, and that's why I share all these stories with people is because, you know, do we as a society as a whole have to wait for a major event to happen in our lives, to make a change? You know, can we use the knowledge that we're getting from others and the stories that are being so freely shared to us by others to say, maybe I need to wake up here. Maybe I need to be taking a look.
2: That's the element of concern because people can listen to a story, they can relate to the story, but they can't become proactive in their own bodies because it's just not real to them. It's like standing on the train track and there is a train coming, but you will not get off that track until it's right there or it snuck up on you and you got shocked that it was there. Yeah, We're not proactive. I had a patient once who had a lung removed because of lung cancer from smoking and he continued to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. Give me a break. What death wish does a person have when they have already been told, you've got a problem, we have made you live because of this affecting the damage that this problem has done, but you got to stop the cause of the disease and they didn't even stop that. So how do you convince a person? You have to create a self-motivating person. So something has to relate to them yeah. emotionally. Yep. They want to live because they want to see their grandchildren or their, mm-hmm. their children mm-hmm. get educated and marry. They have to have a reason. If they don't have a reason, they get the knowledge, they right. get the facts, but they can't put it into action.
1: Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to have you share the story. Now, I want to ask you, I want to do one more question before we finish up here. And that is, if I'm searching for a dentist, what are some of, you know, top three, top five things you would say? These are things you need to ask and be aware of and make sure that you have in looking for a dentist to know you've got a good one?
2: Yes. First of all, I would ask the dentist or the front desk, do they place silver amalgam fillings? Not silver, I mean mercury fillings. Because I would not go into a dental office that places mercury fillings, number one. Okay. It's a toxic environment, and that is not right. Okay. Now, once you do that, ask the dentist, how do you remove silver or mercury fillings in the mouth that need to be removed. Now, I believe probably they should all be removed, but if they're not, at least when they have to be removed, how do they do it? Because if they're not doing it in the proper way, it's more harmful mm-hmm. for you and the staff mm-hmm. that remove it with a drill that's not being properly suctioned and your body not being properly prepared for the release of all this extra mercury when it gets drilled out. They need to be aware, and been educated how to remove amalgam fillings safely.
1: I just, um, not to interrupt here, but I do.
2: (laughs) I just, I had
1: one mercury filling. It was on this side of my mouth and I just had it removed like three, four weeks ago. And I didn't bring my phone in, and I wish I would have because of what I do. I'm the toxin terminator. I kid you not. I'm in a full hazmat suit. The people working on me are in a full hazmat suit, hair covered. I'm put onto oxygen. I have, you know, a mouth dam used. It was just, there was this huge machine in the room that, like, Looked like the old day furnaces. Remember those big old huge?
2: Correct. Those were the suction machines to make sure all the mercury vapor is literally being sucked out and filtered out before it contaminates the, the operatory in the dental office. Yep. Absolutely. That's the way it should be done.
1: It was an incredible experience to witness the preparation that was done in order to do that. And then you think, that's in my mouth. Yeah that's in my mouth. This is what they're doing to take it out. And this has been in my mouth for 54 years. Crazy. Anyways. Okay. Two, what's the next?
2: (laughs) Well, let's see. I would ask the dentist if they do root canals and what is the reason to try to save a tooth that's infected or not save the tooth infected. Okay. And if the tooth is not treatable, what do they do to extract the tooth to make sure the infection is out of the bone? And what are the options of replacing the tooth? Okay. So that is important, in my opinion, because certain things are better than others. And then I would ask them, do you talk about nutrition? Do you believe, you can word it obviously the way it's comfortable, but do you believe nutrition has anything to do with the health of the mouth? Or is it just important to brush and floss? And that's it. Okay. If they only say brushing and flossing is a critical element and everything else is secondary, I would say I need to see a different dentist okay. because that's not true. Now, brushing and flossing is important. I don't like flossing so much. I like the little picks that clean between the teeth called interproximal cleaners. A couple brands that are great. Gum G U M makes a great mm-hmm. interproximal toothbrush. Another company called T P, it's spelled T-E-P-A makes a great interproximal little brush. It's kind of like a baby brush that brushes, yeah. but doesn't stab the gum, but it cleans the mm-hmm. unhealthy plaque extremely away. That That's perfect. Those are perfect. I understand that's an important element to oral hygiene, but to ignore nutrition is not to be proactive and certainly not preventative. And I would seek another dental office if They don't talk about nutrition.
1: Ah, Great, great tips. So all this and more you can find on Dr. Al's website. It's I And this will be in the show notes as well.
2: There's a search feature on the website. So you could just kind of, if you wanted to look at like titanium implants, just type in titanium and whatever articles I wrote about it, it'll pop up for you.
1: Wonderful. And- you have been so gracious to share your expertise with us i appreciate i appreciate that you know we didn't get to the big story which and well, i well i
2: do write about my cancer journey my unconventional cancer journey i've got maybe 30 articles now since september or more than that so you can just type in cancer and you'll all these articles will pop up about how i'm doing what i'm doing and my newest eating style which we can talk about later that uh-huh. i think has shown remission and even cures for cancer. Very exciting.
1: I would love to dig into that so that we can give some options out there. It's a
2: teaser for your audience.
1: (laughs) Got to come back for part two.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank
1: you so much.
2: Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.
1: You bet. You bet.
0: That's all for this episode of the Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health.